go sit in your backyard or go to the beach or go to a place that makes you feel at peace and makes you feel happy and just sit. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to telling relatable stories that inspire a fluid approach to life, purpose, and to navigate change. Just a quick note before this interview with Sandy, there was some sound issues in the recording on my end, but luckily all of Sandy's great advice is still clean and intact. And now on with the episode. Welcome, Sandy Stein, founder of Finders Keeper, the world's first key finder accessory for your purse. It's stylish purse access to decorate the outside of your bag and prevent keys from falling inside and making them instantly retrievable. I love what you invented because I can't tell you how many times I sat there. I like you on your website because I can't, I, my mom, where's my keys? Where's my keys? And she's, and I love that. And, it, and it's so, it's so typical. So I'm just so glad that you're here. And the story that you have is just fantastic. So welcome. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to get started with where did you begin all this? Because I know that you were kind of coming up against a stop and you were needing to come up with some ideas. Let's get started with, started with that. It's so fantastic. I never in a million years imagined I was going to be an inventor. I was a flight attendant for uh, almost 35 years when um, my husband had lost his job and I had a 10-year-old and I was in my 50s. And I, I was at a loss of what was I going to do with my part-time flight attendant salary. I couldn't have a normal lifestyle, couldn't even have a lifestyle, actually. And so my dad, when he was alive, was my advisor. So I thought, well, even though he was no longer alive, I would just beg him for, for some guidance. And I'm real spiritual, so I figured, well, you may as well ask. I have nothing to lose. So I asked my dad in heaven, um, what should I do? And I know this is a really weird thing, but quite honestly, what happened is I had a dream that night. My dad came to me and he said, bend over a hook, put a cute design on one side and a clasp on the other, and now you've invented a new product. So in the morning, I, I woke up and I thought, well, I remember this dream I had. And I went into my office and I thought, well, I just grabbed a little um, keychain and I had a little stick and I kind of put it together and I, I looked at it. And I went, this is what my dad explained to me. Oh my gosh. Well, what would I call it? If it's an invention, you have to call it something. Well, it finds your keys in your purse. Finders, key, purse. If you say it fast, it's like finders, keepers, losers, weepers. I love that. That's how finders, keepers was born. That was the real easy part. well you you say it's easy but first first of all I gotta I gotta give you kudos for asking you know help so you know you had faith on that that's amazing that you did that was well that like I said was the easy part so now um I decided I better get a patent on it so I went searching around and I found a lawyer and he helped me search to see if this was something that had been invented or not, and we couldn't find anything, so I started the patent process because I knew if I had something good, which it seemed like it was, yeah, that yeah. someone would steal it if I hadn't gotten a patent on it. So I started the patent process, which wasn't terrible um, and not terribly expensive. And 
then I had a prototype made. Now, that's kind of an interesting story because my uh, husband at that time was a man who worked in the souvenir industry. So he worked in China. So it was easy for me to get a Chinese manufacturer because that was a buddy of his. So he sent it over there and everyone laughed at me and said, well, you need to make, you know, thousands of these. And what do you think you can do with this to sell it to your flight attendant friends? And I said, of course I can sell it to them and everybody else I know. And they all laughed. Everybody laughed. The manufacturer laughed, said, you know, we need you to make at least 10,000. So I thought, well, I had been involved in, in um, multi-level marketing, and I understood the power of women telling women. And I had the biggest woman's network right there on my airplane with me for 35 years. I knew thousands of flight attendants. And I thought, well, I'm going to make my own little team of, of salespeople because everybody else said, you can't do it. It's just one product and you can't make a business out of one product. Let's see what you can do. So I figured out if, if my friend Jane told her friend Tony and it went down the road and I did my numbers and I thought, okay, I need a hundred thousand of these. There we go again. I'm, I'm in the absolute no chance I can pull this off. A hundred thousand units this really scared my husband and he took me to a couple of mentors in the, in the industry. And they said to me, there's no way you could sell a hundred thousand. You're going to waste your entire life savings. Why don't you sell your patent to me? And I just begun the patent and one man offered me $50,000. Well, that was my key that I knew I had something good. Yes, he was willing to give me $50,000 and I wasn't interested. So I emptied out my savings account. Now we got married late in life. So I had a savings account and he had a savings account. We had a savings account. Right. So mine, hers. Hers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mine got emptied pretty much. And I had a hundred thousand pieces coming. So <laughs> hurriedly, went to figure out where would I even put a hundred thousand pieces. So I had to go find an office. I had to get all set up with the business, but quite honestly, it just kind of came. You just kind of at, in your fifties, you've, you've done a lot and you've heard a lot. I've learned a lot on an airplane and I listened to business people and I've watched what people buy and how people sell. And I thought, well, this isn't that hard. And so I found um, an office slash warehouse and my hundred thousand pieces showed up. And that's a lot of pieces of something you don't know is going to sell and you don't really have a good sales team. Well, (laughs) I'm going to tell you that those hundred thousand pieces got sold in the first two months. We sold a hundred thousand pieces in two months. We had to reorder right away. And we, in our we, first, how did you tell them without a sales team? So my flight attendants became my sales team. And what I did was very creative and as usual told it couldn't work. So I had like a two tier sales team. This person who actually made the sale made 20% commission. And then the person who suggested they join the team made like a 10% bonus. So everybody was happy to go 
get their friends to do it because they were making 10% of doing nothing. And the ones who were selling were making 20%. And it was really easy to sell because it was 2005 when people had money. And this was something brand new. And it actually was cute. And it worked. And it was reasonably priced. So they told their friends. And they told their friends. And they told their friends. In 2005, I started with 20 of my friends. By the end of 2005, I had 2,000 friends. And we had sold 1 million finders keepers. Wow. Just like that. Wow. Out of knowing nothing and everyone telling me, you can't. And it was absolutely like the craziest Monopoly game I had ever played. I mean, I went around that board lots of times and I never got stopped in jail, but I did collect $200 (laughs) bunches and bunches and bunches of times. (laughs) And and the thing is, it grew so fast. It was beyond comprehension, quite honestly. I just didn't even understand what was happening. But because I had all those pieces and I was prepared, I really laid it out well. I thought, well, I can do this. And then I started to have to hire people because in the beginning it was just myself and my husband who reluctantly was helping me until the money came in. Then he was very happy to help me. And, um, and I had a couple of friends. So I had to hire some people and we had to move to a bigger place because a million pieces in one year, it, I, I still to this day don't understand how that could happen because I sure would like to see that happen in this economy Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for everybody in business. That would yes. be wonderful. Yeah. The fact that you had the, like, it can be done attitude. If you didn't need to work at all, you, know, you didn't ever come up with this. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, like that was also a, a necessity. And the fact that you, you know, you know, maybe didn't, didn't know all pitfalls, but I love also to, to that. You know, you know, there's some people that told you, oh, you can't do that. Do this. You're, you're a, that's, they play, put you on. So you're a, you're a, a airline, you know, you know, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, and so you're in the airlines and that's what you do. And that's you. And you're saying, well, wait, no, I've got this idea. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be a, a, a seller. And it's so funny. How there's so many naysayers. You know, but, my, my opinion of naysayers, and I've really thought long and hard about naysayers is because what we do as women comes from intuition, gut feelings, and inspiration. Ours doesn't come out of a book. So most naysayers learn what they know in a book, and their book is a box, and that box says it can't be done. So in their head, they say it can't be done because they can't do it. But that precludes us who have the extra sense from thinking, well, maybe they're right where we can't do it because they know from a book. But I have to tell you, there's so much more to intuition and inspiration and going from your gut than there is in a book because a book is just what people know to be true. And everything else means you can get around the things that people know and do it your way and it will work your way. It doesn't have to be their way. And that's why naysayers say no. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're so certain it hasn't been done. My whole thing is it can be done. And it's just a matter of 
finding the solution. And I love, love, you know, cause my background's in design and I love that you've created something that not only um, visually uh, uh, pleasing, but, but you also came up with a solution. Those same qualities of coming up with solutions kept serving you. Um, oh, absolutely. Right, and you know, right. it's, what's really interesting is I'm, I am a risk taker. I've, mm-hmm. I've been a risk taker since I've been an adult. As a kid, I was not a risk taker and I grew up to be a risk taker, but I also had a 10 year old son that I had to provide for. Yes. So I might not have gone the entire risk if I didn't think that there was a kid involved. If it was just me, I might've gone, I'm not so sure about this, but I thought, gosh, I have a son and I have to make sure he's well provided for. So I also had an exit strategy. And I think being a risk taker, as long as you have an exit strategy that you know you're not going to lose everything, it's easier for you to take the risk. So for my case, the gentleman who offered me $50,000 for my idea Mm-hmm. I knew that if I ordered this hundred thousand piece event that that was going to take up the bulk of my um, life savings, I knew that he would probably buy. It would be probably dimes on the dollar, but I knew I'd get some money out of the deal. Yeah. And so I wasn't one hundred percent gonna fail and really fail miserably if I did fail. And I didn't fail, so I didn't have to go to that. But it's always nice to have your cushion in the background to make sure that you don't are are not so scared that you can't take the step forward. That you say, okay, what's the worst case scenario? What is the worst case? So it doesn't work out, and I lose some money, but I still have a cushion left. Okay, I'm gonna do it. If I have, if I was to lose everything and put my life at risk, that I wouldn't have done. So always have. How, know in the background, what is the worst case scenario? If it's not so bad, just do it. Worst case scenario was I wasn't going to have a living and I wasn't going to be able to provide for my son. And we were going to lose our house. That's a really bad scenario. Yes, that is. That is. All of those things lined up so perfectly. Um, and yeah, there is a risk. And yes, and yes, it was scary for sure. But the fact that, that he was out of a job and, and you were looking at what we were going to do, that's an added extra kind of got you over the hurdle of I'm going to do this because you need, you need to come up with some solutions to, to you know, go forward. I really want to applaud your courage and your faith and trust to go, go forward. And it's so, so amazing. Obviously you've had to be really good at stay, staying fluid and resilient, right? Oh yes. I'll, I'll tell you um, what resilience it's actually tenacity And realizing that when you become successful, there are a lot of people who become jealous and decide, well, if she can do it, I can do it better. So I had so many copycats, even though I eventually, it took about three years to get my full utility patent, even though it was a patented product, hundreds of companies knocked me off, hundreds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had to go after all of them. And it was very expensive, very, even though I was making a lot of money, 
-hmm. It was very expensive. There was one company that came after me and what they did was they copied all my designs. They copied my backer card. So it looked just like our product. But what they did was they made it in China. Um, they were a Chinese company that just plopped down into New Jersey and they made their own version um, it, with less expensive material. So it would break. So in the industry, people started saying, oh, finders keepers, it's a good idea, but it breaks. And I kept oh. saying, ours doesn't break. Ours is made really well. And I knew it didn't break. So I finally found out it was my copycat. And so I end up having to take them all the way to the biggest court there is. And honestly, it cost me over a million dollars in legal fees. And it's very hard to even go through that, not alone just to take all your money and dump it into a lawyer's hands. But I had to take them out of the marketplace because they were going to destroy my business with their cheap copy. And yes, we won. And of course, there was a big award given to me. And what did they do? They went bankrupt, of oh. course. So um, I got them out of the marketplace, but it cost me almost everything that I had in my business, all my, all my savings from the business. And so I had to start from scratch. Oh, gosh. And what year was that? It was, um, I think it was 11. Wow. And so it was so hard. So with a, I, I started from scratch again, because now I barely had any money left. Mm -hmm. It takes money to make money because you have to invest it in product and leasing and right. blah, blah, blah. And I did it again. So once you know how to do it, if you, I tell my son all the time, the only time you lose is when you give up. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't going to give up because I knew I did it once I could do it again. And then I just had to start all over. It was not very pleasant. I'm, you know, by then I was already 60 and that's not so fun in your sixties having to start all over again. But right. here I am 69 and here we are in COVID. And I'm going to start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, now it's like the whole way the marketplace place is really changed. And so it is. And um, this, this time in everybody's life is definitely the time where you have to be resilient. Mm -hmm. And you have to look at the bright side, because there's so many ugly sides uh, of what's going on today. And, you know, my entire business is based on selling to retail stores who are either no longer in business or closed temporarily. Right. So my retail business is 95% down. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have a, we have a consumer website and luckily for me, I aligned myself with a very large corporation that has um, when they're, they're, customers reach a goal, they get presents. Mm -hmm. And so I get to be one of their present. They get to come to my website and pick a present. Mm -hmm. So, and this corporation has millions of members. And so I thought, well, this worked out pretty good because now I have to build up my, my consumer website versus concentrating on my retail stores until they come back to business. Mm -hmm. So, um, I did the shift and though it's slow, I can see the build 
and I'm I'm just hoping that it builds like it's supposed to build in my mind. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and we shall see. Yeah, I think everyone's getting so, so much more comfortable with with purchasing online. Even when when this is all over, I think people are going to be used to purchasing a lot of things online because they're going to see that they're they're not having to spend much time. I agree with you. Yeah, and we've added we've added a couple of little things that are good for this time um, of COVID, and uh, those are taking off nicely and. You know, unfortunately for one of my employees, I had to let her go. And that's the hard part. When you oh, do yeah. do any kind of pivoting or transition, you you have to really look at what is happening mm-hmm. and what's going to allow you to make it through the big picture. And the little picture is, God, it hurts my heart to let her go. She's been, I hired her when she was 20 years old and mm-hmm. six years ago and and I kind of like raised her like my own kid. It, it was so hard to let her go. Right. So there's some really tough parts of business. It's it's the female part where it hurts when you have to let somebody go. And and it's and it's the logical part that says, but you have to, because if you don't, you can't go forward with your plan. So there's a lot of things that we as females have that are positives. And then when it comes to emotions. Gosh, you really have to work hard to get that logic to say, sorry, emotion, you've got to go bye-bye. I've got to do it logically. It's really tough. <laughs> and also, too, and I don't want to sound Pollyanna, your husband being out of work um, made you go in another direction, I think, is that you have to think about both sides of that and um, you know, be okay with it because you are, you are running a company. There's a lot of people, people depending on you as well. And your, your product is to stay up there because it's a really good product. So um, that I completely, completely understand. Overall, I mean, what's going on right now and how people are having to change up and stay resilient. If somebody was at a real stop in life, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say really um, go to, go sit in your backyard or go to the beach or go to a place that makes you feel at peace and makes you feel happy and just sit and think about what do you have at your fingertips that you've learned, that you know, that you've experienced, that you think could help you make make a living or change your career because we all have a lot more to our name than our title because that's what I've always said just because I was a flight attendant people didn't give me credence even after I'd been in business five years they said oh it's that flight attendant girl and you know (laughs) I'd sold at that point I'd sold like five million finders keepers it's kind of a big deal But um, they were laughing at me. So don't just think you're your title. There's a lot more to you. I really never expected to be an inventor Mm -hmm. or a business owner. But I've always loved business. And I always loved listening to the passengers talk about business. But I was content as a flight attendant. And was fun. And I enjoyed it. And didn't find it necessary. So there's a lot more to 
you as an individual than sometimes we give ourselves credit for. So I think when you find that peace and quiet and you get over the, oh, I'm so scared when I'm, how am I going to pay my next bill? You have more opportunity to, to be creative and invest in yourself. And hopefully that works for you because I was at my wits end when, when I was praying to my dad, it was like, please, I, I need help. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> and, I, and I think so people have been there. And what you just said is so important is sort of take, take account of your wins, of what you brought to the world, like your skills. You know, when you were a flight attendant, there's so many things you had to do and that you were willing, you heard all those stories from people. And there's all these things that, were you that that you could bring to the table to this new new business, and, and um, that's what I think. I think is that people get, especially when we get so caught up, caught up children and and being, being married and all da, da 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 da, we forget our wins. It's been wonderful, and I want everyone to uh, look at the show notes because as Finder Keepers is is still going straight has some great great props and I, I so appreciate you sandy for thank you for coming on today and uh doing this from home from home i all had to and i just <laughs> appreciate you appreciate it thank you thank you again for listening you can find links to any mentioned resources mine and my guest social media and more all in the show notes at elizabethribbons.com that's ribbons with one b enjoying the show please Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend or coworker. Reviews and word of mouth is still the number one way to learn about new podcasts, so I appreciate it. Until next time.